Deuce and Muggsy won Best in Show at the Kettle Club Show. That's in Westminster, Westminster, what is it, Connecticut or New York? Who cares? Well, then how do they win? where they are. How'd they win? I said they did. Okay. That's how it works. I, I you agree. You walk in and go, this is my dog, he's best in show. You punch everybody in the, in the face and you run off with the trophy. Damn right. Amen. Hi, it's Baldini. This is Miss Dealey. And where did that come from? I don't know, but I'm agreement. I am absolutely in agreement with Rashi when it comes to our dogs being prize winners. Okay. Even though they've never entered a contest that I know of, mm-hmm. uh, they are. They're, they're best in show. They are best in show. Best in show. Best in show. Best on this show. Mm-hmm. Best Hobart's on this show. Hobart's second. Well, I, I, I don't know. Does it matter to Hobart? I, I don't know if he would. Ask him. Hobart, would you actually want to go to a dog show? To eat them, I think, is an inappropriate answer. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I think it would cause a lot of trouble there. I think the dogs would go nuts when he entered because he's a dog-like thing, but not a dog. Right. And um, and then I think he would have free reign of them. I think I don't think anything could give him a hard time. You know, anything short of a wolfhound. Speaking of show, can I tell you how excited I am for mine? Yes, tell us all. Holy crap! I am really geeked. I don't know if that's a word anymore. Stoked? <laughs> like from the or ever was. Stoked. Yeah, right. Right. Stoked. Jazzed. Just out of your head. <laughs> excited about yeah, this? Um, You're so excited, excited to be a There's, part of it? Uh, I have been sending that link from Ghostbusters to people with the slapping of the face, and I have been slapping faces live. I know. My that's available. I have a gift frozen. certificate here for one free punch in the asshole if you would like one. Uh, I'm good. You know, <laughs> no, I'm good. Okay, because yeah. they're free. We can give this to our uh, listeners. Something. Yeah, we could post the JPEG yeah, yeah. if they would like to print it at home and fill it in themselves. That's yeah, fine. but it doesn't count. They got to punch somebody if they fill that in because I I have to fill it out myself if I'm making uh, the offer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, there's that. But Trisha and I, Trisha Hirschberger, she's on SourceFed. If you guys watched that, I think I said that last week. Yeah. But there she is. Uh, we've been working, and there's magic all over our living room. There's just plastic bags and skulls and toys and drills, and Ezra will attest to this. There's sand all over the place. Yeah. There's your magic hypno wheel. Yep. And yeah. so it's really, I'm really getting excited. Yep. 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 We're doing our, our run through next Tuesday. And this like, is Santa Fe, right? Yeah. Nice. So, I had an, an hour-long interview today on the radio, or mm-hmm. no, lies, on the phone with the Santa Fe New Mexican, which is the, a very large newspaper. They have yeah. like 11,000 Twitter followers today. And yeah. I was like, what? Nice. And the guy and I were on the phone for an hour, and we were just laughing, and he was so nice. His name was James Keller. Huh. That's the guy who's writing the article. And he was super cool. That's great. Yeah, he was a super cool guy. You were listening. Paul came in to, to ask if he could run the dishwasher. And I'm sitting there talking in a way that he could tell I didn't know the person that was on the phone. You but know, I wasn't sure if you were recording lines or not. So I, I Oh, I didn't know what you were doing because you just kind of hovered like a creeper in the doorway. And I was like, what are you doing, son? And so when we had a break in the conversation, I said, James, can you hold on? And I said, Paul, what do you need? He goes, I just wanted to know if I could run the dishwasher. I said, absolutely. Meantime, I'm in my office making up a ballot that says, may I run the dishwasher with two boxes? Yes and no for you to. Uh, also, what you did when you asked me out. Do you like me, yes or no? <laughs> That's right. I did. did that at dinner. He left nice. that at my... Do you like me, here. yes or no? Mm-hmm. That, go, that goes I back. found that the other day. It's, yeah. in my, it's in my box on my dresser. I kept it. I kept that. And I don't know where this is from, so maybe you can help me. I found yeah. a dried penne noodle. Where were we with that mm. thing? 
penne. Those are the little... Uh-huh, yeah. with the diagonal cuts. Don't know what that was. Uh, that might have been Cap's Corner. In the, might have been. That, that night when we all went to Cap's Corner and... And, and, and she Francisco. brought me that. The and waitress she, brought me that because I was being a real pest. And you said, just bring her a penne noodle. And you don't remember what she brought you for dessert? Yes, I do. She brought me a cheesecake and you had taken a peep. We used to peep each other, like, all the time. <laughs> oh, that was when so much fun. When we first started dating, um, I don't remember what... What was it? How did the peep thing get started? Do you we remember? We started laughing over the just the absurdity of marshmallow peeps. I disagree. Something happened. Something happened, but I remember... I don't remember what it was. Um... I remember when we, somehow we got you off. You drew me a cartoon of Peeps. Peeps. Of Bugs Bunny and... Uh, Daffy Duck and Foghorn Leghorn. Yeah, all. you had wrapped my Valentines in those and they all had Peeps. And they I actually had, had those framed. Yeah. They're, it's at my folks' house. Wow. Yeah. But, but I, rem- I remember you had a little trail of Peeps in, in the hotel room mm-hmm. the night we stayed there. That yeah, was fun. Yeah, that was just silly. Little conga line. But I don't, I don't remember what happened. Like what ha- But anyway, whatever happened, I don't know what happened, but we used to peep each other. And so, for example, I would get up and go to the bathroom at the movies and come back and there's a peep in my seat. Yeah, and I'd just be sitting there watching the movie. And he would be like, I'm sorry, someone took your chair. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh my God. And so, and it would go back and forth. And actually at one Comic-Con, he was getting up to speak on a panel with Alan Burnett. Yes. And I snuck one to Alan. And I said, Alan, you've got to put a peep on his chair. So in front of 3,000 people at Comic-Con, Paul Dini goes up and he pulls out his chair and he goes, God damn it, in the microphone, like to the whole Hall H or whatever it was. Because that was a good one. Yeah. But when it was at Comic-Con, too, because we went to see Stevie. And he was living there at the Oh, it was time. WonderCon. Oh, it was WonderCon. That's that right. right. San Francisco. Oh, that, that was part of the big peep weekend because that's when we went to Cap's Corner. Yeah. That's when you got peeped. And then I took you over to the Orinda Theater. That's right. So was, and his his girlfriend was so convinced you were going to ask me to marry you because you were taking me around like all your old stuff. And I was like, he's really not. And she goes, no, I really think it's coming. And I said, I really don't care because we're not there. And I don't think that he's that dense. Like that's not where we are in our relationship right now. So it was kind of weird. But she was just like, oh, that any, that Stevie's ex-girlfriend. Oh, 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 oh right, 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 right. She was really nice. Yeah, yeah. But she was just like, oh. And I thought, oh, girl, I think you're off the mark. But uh, and you and wore what was. became the Madame Mirage costume. You wore that. Great, I did that great flat brimmed black hat, the big Audrey Hepburn style black hat, and the fitted white dress, and yep. the little black gloves, and everything. Yep. You, you look dynamite. Thank you. I still have that dress. Yeah. Um, and we. You look went, dynamite right now. I look disgusting right now. But no. Thank you. Brown skirt and. And a sock monkey cool shirt. Looking boots and everything. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well. Anyway, unfortunately, I'm wearing the same thing, so I, I wish yesterday. we had coordinated. What? What? No, I thought I was joking. So anyway, I'm just wearing the same thing I wore yesterday. That's which what I just said. It goes from funny to right to disgusting. No, you're not disgusting. You're yeah. fine. You only wore it for like 20 minutes. Yeah. So um, we went to this restaurant, and the waitress came out with our dessert, and it had a peep on my cheesecake, mm-hmm. and he never left the table. I don't know how he did it. Yep. Is this a stupid podcast? Should we just stop? No, talking? it's fun. It's All fun. Right. And, I don't know. Uh, I, I can never tell if what we're saying is stupid or if it's cute or what. I'm jelly that I don't get to go to Santa Fe. I've always wanted to take you there. Yes, well. Uh, and, uh, and turns out I have a date with George R. R. Martin instead. Well, too. How you like me now? Well, you 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 traded up as far as uh, fan circles. We're gonna have to have a battle of the beards. And, oh, uh, he wins. He wins. <laughs> he's got that Game of Thronage right on it. He's got that, you know, muscular, you know, manly. I'm, my beard is a little on the icky stuff. It's fine. It's fine beard. It's good beard. It's good beard. It's salt and pepper beard. Yeah, it is. I like it. I, I like, think it's very distinguished. It's kind of Vandal Savage. I've got these two gray streaks right what, there. What's the Vandal Savage? What does that uh, mean? He's a super villain. He's lived since caveman days. 
He's like Rasha Ghoul, you know, but he's okay, an immortal villain. I always think of Mike Nesmith. What, Mike Nesmith? The monkey? Yeah. Because he's got those two gray stripes in his beard. And that's the first time I think, <clears throat> I would have been really little looking at a picture of him like yeah. from when he was popular to then. You know, like when they made their first resurgence like forever mm -hmm. ago and everybody was like one year old. And I, and I looked at that and I thought, that's a distinguished looking gentleman. And he had a beard much like yours. Yeah, that's how... I, when I was a very, yeah. very tiny girl looking at that picture and going, that's a fine looking fatherly gentleman. Actually... that's how I spoke when I was two. <laughs> Whatever. That's how George Lucas started to go white, right? It was like right there, like just when I was starting to work for him. He, like it was like jet he'd been black. drinking bleach and it fell out the corners of his mouth. <laughs> well, you know, actually, I, I worked for him for a stretch where he shaved it off. He just wanted, he was tired of it and he wanted to just kind of go around to public. So, he so looked, what did that look like when he shaved it off? Good? He looked, he looked good without, without the beard. He looked, he looked very much like, you know, a, a normal guy. And uh, like he does, yeah, like look he does. like a normal guy, but it would be like you, it's not like he's no, but he or... absolutely could go without the beard. I could imagine going to the Safeway, the hardware store, just knocking around, uh, you know, Mill Valley where he lives and just okay. uh, and and nobody and nobody thinking twice about him hmm. because the beard is so iconic, you know, the the kind of the brushback black hair and the beard, even now, with now that his hair has gone, you know, gray to white. And the, the beard is still like an iconic thing. Like Walt Disney had the little pencil thin mustache. Yeah. And Steven Spielberg has the beard, you know. I, I, I've never seen Steven without the beard, so I don't know how he'd look. But uh, okay. it just gets to be so iconic that uh, once you see it without, it was kind of arresting. It would be like, who's the dude in George? Oh, that's George. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he shaves his beard off, gets arrested for indecent exposure of his face. That's fine. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm George Lucas. I live in that. I live in the house over there. And that's, that's Skywalk Ranch. It's like, sure you are, pal. Sure you are. That's interesting. Uh, that's, that's that's funny. Uh, but anyway, um, where are we going with this? Oh, yeah, so I Santa Fe. I was talking about my show. Oh, and then... no, already? You were only 10 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, we were talking about my beard, which you, you said you liked because it has the gray streaks in it. No, yeah, no. Wait, I was talking about my show and all of a sudden we're on you and then it's George and Stephen and what? Yeah. We started talking about George R. R. Martin and beards and everything like that. So, yeah. Uh, man, there, there are so many good places I want to take you to in Santa Fe. We'll just have to go back sometime, but I'd, I'd probably want to buy a rug or something or a piece of Probably water. wind up buying a rug is what he says. Well, that's where the rug that used to be in my... Boy, our listeners are grateful they tuned into this one. <laughs> I don't know. No. Probably end up buying a rug. Maybe I'll put some butter on some green beans. Who cares? Talk about something else. What yeah, else? gorgeous works of art in Santa Fe. And I bought a, a Native American rug. It was, it was it's absolutely stunning. So that Well, was... if you've been, then I get to travel a little bit without you because you've been all over the world and I ain't been nowhere. You've been to Nashville. I've never been to Nashville. Well, want, want to you. It's home of country music. I did a show in Nashville agree. too. That's what, that's what took me there. And it mm. is gorgeous yeah. there. I loved Nashville. I didn't get to memphis and wanted to but i loved loved nashville tennessee it is mm -hmm. so beautiful mm -hmm. i would live there mm -hmm. in really? a heartbeat oh, uh-huh okay. all right absolutely and i learned something really interesting when i was there too i learned how to play the spoons oh that's on right. the street oh, awesome from a homeless chick nice that's how she made her living she had a little board and it had like little things that she could tinkle the spoons on and make different noises mm -hmm. and she made spoon music on the street and her name was abby and i have a video of her somewhere doing this and uh it's probably on my Facebook. I think it might even be on YouTube. I don't know. We'll have to look. I don't know if I posted it or I feel like I did, but I don't know. <clears throat> and um, I talked to her as I want, you know, as I usually want to do, because she would know more about the city than anybody. Mm. She lives on the street. She sees people go yeah. by. What's it like? What's the weather really? How is it for you? Mm -hmm. And I just, she was really nice and she was talented and she made conversation when I dropped some money in her cup. 
And she said that she was at that time, and this was really enlightening, saving up money to buy herself another pair of glasses. And I said, what happened to your glasses, Abby? And she said, I really can't see anything. And I said, what happened to them? And she had fallen asleep in a doorway and a policeman kicked them off her face. Oh. Kicked her in the face and broke her glasses. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh. So that was, that was, but it was interesting because the city was so beautiful and to hear that that's what's in it was very enlightening. Yeah. You know, that, that they were, the police were so nice to me, but that's how they treat Abby. They're not nice. You know, and, and that's not all of them. There's one jerk, for sure. We have one confirmed ass. But I don't know, mm. you know, like what the rest of the police force is or how they feel about homeless people. But she was super peaceful and she had done nothing. And it was super educational as to what the social strata, you know, like how that might be structured. And that I hope they're... that's not specifically the police and more along the lines of just people. Because I do know that some people just have a thing with homeless people. They just don't yeah. see them as people anymore. Really? Yeah, I feel that Gosh, way. Gosh, I think they're just fascinating. Yeah. That's their loss. Oh, I yeah. love homeless people. I, I mean, I, I'm not happy for them. I wish they had a home. Oh, of course. But it's their, you know, some of them it's their choice. Some of them they've hit really hard times. I mean, mm -hmm. they all have a different story. Yeah. And almost every story. The only story that's not really fascinating and is just truly tragic is drugs. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, like mental illness is genuinely tragic, but they're still really interesting. But mm -hmm. drugs is just heartbreaking, start to finish. Mm -hmm. You know, because they'll usually say things like, I was an Olympian swimmer. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, what are you doing here? And they have one word, heroin. Yeah. Mm. And it's like, holy crap. It is amazing. We have seen, I mean, aside from the tragic loss of Philip Seymour Hoffman, oh, you know, yeah. which is terrible, uh, we've seen it firsthand. People start spiraling, spiraling the drain. I mean, I've had I've had roommates who drifted into drugs, like in high school and in college, and uh, and and outside of college. When you know, sometimes like you know, a bunch of guys will just room together because some <laughs> you know, like one summer I was spending in Boston, and and mm -hmm. I, I met a couple of guys. Yeah, we hung out at the comic book store on my or you know near my college, mm -hmm. and you wind up rooming with people, and then you you make friends within the community. Everybody's kind of young, you know. We're all about nineteen or. Between 19 and 23. And, you know, you move around a lot when you're a college student. You kind of stay where you can. The dorms one semester and then someplace else. And I met at least three guys who were kind of either taking a break from college or school or had gotten there because the local young scene was happening. And they just drifted into drugs. And, and as far as I knew, they, they, they kind of stayed there. And they were guys who had... The same potential as anybody. Some were really brilliant. And one guy was a really terrific musician. And that's, they never, you know, as, as an example, I, I went over to a, friend, a, a friend's house, you know, and he goes, can you help me move? And it's like, yeah, why? And he goes, because I just can't take my roommate anymore. And I went over there and I helped my buddy move. And this roommate, who was maybe just like three years older than us, so that would have made him 24 or 25, was just kind of sitting there, you know, kind of buzzed, like, and, and, you know, he had the kind of shaved hair, mm -hmm. a little bit of goatee, and, and life had just sort of, for whatever reason, you know, gone into sort of, um, you know, uh, arrested, uh, an arrested point at that point. And he was just, he was buzzed all the time and just, and I never knew what would become of the guy. I didn't know him really well. You kind of wonder, there's, it's almost like there's nothing next. Yeah. And how do you cope with that? How do you cope when you're not, and it's just such a foreign concept to me because it's like, what, how do you cope when there's nothing to strive for? You're not working towards anything. What is there to get up for in the morning except to get stoned again? And I, I can't imagine that that's a fulfilling life. I don't know. I've never been high in my life. So I have, and I, not because I have any problems with, I mean, if you're going to do drugs, do them as long as you can control yourself and harm none. I'm good with it. But I, 
it is just such a, a foreign concept to me to not be working towards something, whether it's let's do this drive for the homeless and collect a bunch of blankets or we're putting together this magic show or like that's what I get up to do stuff in the morning and that's what makes me, it like fills my spiritual cup. Mm -hmm. That makes me happy. Execution, getting things done, touching people, making them feel something, um, you know, in a, in a spiritual way or whatever. That's what does that for me. If you're waking up, getting wasted, staying wasted all day, going to bed, waking up again, getting wasted, or working to afford to get wasted, mm -hmm. and you're just barely getting by. How long can that go on before it gets tedious? Yeah, you know, I, I mean... I, I, I don't know. You know. I don't either. I don't I've get never it. Really been if a you part, have an answer, tell me what it is, because I don't know. I've never, I've never really been a part of the drug culture. I've been kind of adjacent to it, because I, you know, yeah. I, I went to a boarding school in college, and the stuff was always around if you wanted it. I never used it, because I just felt like... You know, for the same reason, is like... What, you know, what's next? It just sort of... That's uh, what I mean. Yeah, like, like you were saying. But, I, you know, I, I'm kind of of two minds about it now because I, I've read some studies about it, and, and especially for things, some of the milder stuff like marijuana and things, that it, it does less harm if you start it when you're older. And, I have, and I'm thinking, like, if you're in your 20s or something, if your brain is fully developed... And you want to do that. I feel it's it's almost like alcohol. You know, you might as, you know, you don't give gin to a baby. You don't have... You know, <laughs> it gives them the horrors. It gives them the horrors, yeah. <laughs> and you don't, you know, if you're 14 and you're running around, you're drinking hard stuff like like rum and vodka, that's going to screw you up pretty bad. But if you're Is 20... It, most of the kids that I went to junior high school with that were drunk all the time are fine. Really? Oh, They're yeah. fine. I have plenty of friends like that that have ulcers and stuff like that, though. <gasps> Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's some hard drinking for mm -hmm. babies. Yeah. Talk about having the horrors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and yet I've seen I've seen adults function pretty well, you know, taking marijuana, and then there's medical marijuana, and that helps people. I out. have a girlfriend that's so caustic, she has to be high. Yeah. You know who that is. Yeah, I do. And she'll tell you. She'll be like, if I'm not high, I am awful. And I've never seen her not high, but she's mm -hmm. perfectly pleasant when she is, so I love her. <laughs> and know, I have friends who say fantastic. that their creativity has doubled since they started using marijuana and they yeah. just sing its praises to the roof. But they made that choice when they were in their late 20s, Wrong. early 30s. Yeah, and I think your brain has done that that development and you're not stunting anything. And then again, they used to say the same thing about smoking. It'll stunt your growth and everything. I think it comes down to personal choice. I know plenty of tall smokers. What's that? I said I know plenty of tall smokers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So... I don't know. It, my my own personal choice is I just leave it alone. I don't. I don't even. I don't even drink much anymore. I mean, it's or rare that less. I what what the other night when I had trouble sleeping, I felt like I want to get up and I want to have a drink, and that'll put me to bed. And then I thought, no, that'll just make you sick, and then you'll come to bed and sick snore. and snore. So and then you get up. Yeah. Beaten. What? And then you get up beat. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want that. You know, it's like you know, I drifted into a drinky phase once, and then I drifted right out of it, and I just. Since then, it's just like uh, very rarely do I drink anything. So I auditioned for America's Got Talent on Sunday. Fantastic! I How'd did that. that. It was a Universal Mulligan, and Paul's looking at me like, "Oh my God, you're going to tell him?" And I'm I'm going to tell you ex a little bit of what happened because I signed an NDA, <clears throat> so I can't. I I'm I I don't know if I'm going to be on the show, and that's mm -hmm. honest. I yeah. mean, like that's I I have no idea. Mm -hmm. But what I will tell you is this: I auditioned for the show eight years ago, and mm -hmm. they came to the Magic Castle, and I had an appointment. And Bizarro was here with me, and mm -hmm. I had just started working with Jonathan when the mm -hmm. call came in. And I was very ambitious, and I was new to L.A. My illusions weren't even here yet. They, they had not arrived. Mm -hmm. So I was forced, if I wanted to audition, the timeline was tight. They, give you two, they have two days in every city. 
and this is eight years ago, and they said, if you want to come, and this was season one or two. I think it was season, might have been season one. It was a I long think, yeah. time, because this is season nine, and that was eight years ago, so this would have been season yeah. one. Probably. Yeah. And um, it was going to be a big deal. Like, everybody knew what the show was going to be, and it was, you know, yeah. like, it was, it was going to be a big deal. So I really tried hard. Bizarro came out, he worked with me all week on a way overly ambitious project, and we accomplished everything we set out to accomplish. But I had bit off way more than I could chew. And I was trying to be something I was not. And so I went in and just failed. I mean, just, I walked out on the stage, the illusion fell apart, and it was a disaster. And I came home and I wept. Paul said, how did it go? I blew by him, slammed the door, threw myself on the bed, and did not come out of the room for three days. I was a mess. So I got the call. And and now flash forward a couple years later, and I got a call for another reality show competition. And I was in their top 10, and they chose eight people. I went to Network, and Network was picking who they were going to put on NBC on this show. (coughs) And I walked in there, and I did an envelope trick for them that I knew was a good one, and I've been doing it for a long time, and it's modified, and it's still in my show in a different form. But I did this envelope trick, and owing to circumstances beyond my control, (laughs) she gives Paul Dini the eye, um, I messed up the trick. And I don't necessarily need to get into the trick, but suffice it to, you know what, I will just say briefly, in the middle of my trick, Paul Dini walked into my audition room in his underpants Ah. and handed me pencils and the wrong thing. So that was that one. I've told the story on here before, but it came from a very good place and he was really trying to help me succeed. He certainly did not sabotage. But anyway, the trick went wrong. In my defense? Yes. Those were running shorts. You keep thinking that. So, um... (laughs) Okay. So the envelope trick went really wrong. So I had two really deeply scarred, confidence-rattling experiences with reality competitions because they were both really humiliating and very disappointing. I didn't even get close. I mean, I got so close and then just friggin' blew it. So they called me to audition for America's Got Talent again. And I said, I'm really not interested. And they said, are you sure? Because we really are looking for magicians and, and we saw your stuff online. We loved, and they were very familiar with my work this time. They didn't know who I was the first time. They called me and they said, we'll make you an appointment. And so I didn't have to wait in line. You know, they do that if they yeah, call yeah. You. you. And they do, they do call a lot of acts. I'm not the only one they did that to. So I went in and I did the audition and suffice it to say, I don't know whether I'll end up on the show or not. And I... I, honest to God, I came home and Paul said, how do you feel about it? And I, honest to God, am okay either way because I went in there and I did a great job with the envelope trick that I had to improvise on the spot because they had seen a lot other, they've had so many magicians in, they had seen a lot of what I brought, even though I present it differently. Mm -hmm. Some of these effects were not a surprise and several of them were featured on the show already. And so they said, what else do you have? And I did something else. And she said, what else do you have? And I did something else. And I, what else? What else? What else? And finally she said, what are you excited about that you're performing in your Santa Fe show that I can tell the next people you're going to go see so that even if you're bringing them something they've seen before, they have that to look forward to. And I started telling her about this lie detector trick that I do. And she said, do that. And I said, I don't have it here. And she went, oh. And I said, no, no, that's okay. I don't need anything special. I said, do you have any regular envelopes? And she said, yeah. I said, how many judges? She said, four. I said, give me four envelopes. And it killed him. And I thought it was such a weird, I came home and Paul said, how do you feel about it? And I said, it was like a universal mulligan. Like I just got a do-over. 
You know, I think if they did call and they wanted to put me on the show, I'm certainly up to the task. I would absolutely be grateful. And I, I'm, I'm not sure if I would do it, but I might. I think it would be all-consuming, and I understand what the enormity of the gig is. But I think that the thing that was so rewarding about it was the first time I auditioned, I tried to be everything I thought they wanted. This time when I went back, I was there because I wanted to be there. They asked, I was invited to be there. Yeah. I was there because I wanted to be there and I was there as me. It's like in the past eight years, I figured out who I am. And I'm either gonna be appropriate for the show, the show's gonna be appropriate for me and it will be mutual and go forward or one of us will decide that that is not the case and it's not meant to be. But regardless, the idea, like I said, of a universal mulligan, so rare is it that I think we get a chance to go back and see where the heartache taught us a really solid lesson and put it into practice in the exact same situation. <laughs> I was so overwhelmed with gratitude. It was really, really cathartic. Well, you're like, uh, like we're talking the you know, Olympics or this week, like a, like a skater who got out there and for whatever reason just tripped and then went right. down. And then four years later, they come back and they do it on their own terms. And mm -hmm. when you came in, you were absolutely... You, I had zero you, expectations. You were very confident when you came in. You were very happy. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like... Oh, you were we... terrified when I came in the door. I, I had, he knew that I was out driving. I drive like when I'm trying to, you know, like get my head together. Or I have thinking to do like I write most of my show. I drive and listen to music and, you know, and I, I had gone after the audition. I was there for like a long, even though I had an appointment, I ended up being there for like four, four and a half or five I know, hours. And I know. And I called time. you. I didn't want to call in the middle. You called in between two of the auditions. Like, yeah. cause there was audition one and then, you know, there's just a bunch of stuff. So, um, he had actually called during a good time during a break, mm -hmm. but I, and I filled him in and I said, I still have a, a ways to go. I said, they have to look at my paperwork and decide if I'm going to do something else, you know, like all this stuff. And he said, okay. So he didn't know when I'd be home, but I went out for a long drive to just, cause it was such a cathartic experience. It was so weird and crazy and mm -hmm. such a, it was just truly a blessing and a gift. And they were so nice from start to finish and so encouraging. And it was like, I took stuff that I do all the time because this repertoire in the past, it's been eight years. And I've grown eight years as a magician. And, and I had no idea how far I had come because I wasn't nervous at all walking so in there. And it was like, I mean, I was, I wanted to do a good job, but no yeah. more. I do so many auditions all week. Most of them are for voiceover. But I get some magic auditions. You know, there's just more voiceover work in town than there is for magicians, kind of. You know, so it's it, it wasn't a huge deal to go audition for something like this. You know, it, and it's like, well, you get the gig, I don't know. But I was so overwhelmed with gratitude and just the magnitude mm -hmm. of what that means. Like, to have something devastate you that much. It's almost like, I don't know how to explain it other than to say, like, maybe you dated a chick and she busted you in half like you fell so hard for her she was everything you were ready to marry her and she just dumped you for no reason and you were like oh uh, uh. you see her years later and she you dump her on your terms mm. and it's like no no it's nice let's go have dinner and she's like i've always i never really recovered and i made a big mistake and you're like you know what that's very sweet and i appreciate that but i don't think this is gonna work out you know, and you know, nobody's hurt, you know, but she's crestfallen. But you're like, wow, I thought that this was... The, oh, you know what? Garth Brooks has a song called Unanswered Prayers. And that would wrap it up very nicely. I'm really wandering. But anyway, he's, he's got this song, and the song is all about... He is at a high school football game, 
and he's there with his wife, and they bump into his high school sweetheart. And he says, she was the one that I'd wanted for all time, and every night I would pray that God would make her mine. And essentially, he's standing there with his wife, who he had no idea existed, when this girl was his world, this other girl. And he's looking at her, and he's going, you're cool, but man, did I get lucky. And I had no idea when I was asking for this and I didn't get that thing, mm -hmm. that this other thing was coming. And I have no idea what's on the horizon. I mean, I'm, leaving, I'm going to do this show in Santa Fe, so that's on the very near horizon. I've got, you know, I may be shooting a TV show next week, which is exciting and cool, but I don't know if that's gonna happen mm -hmm. or where it's gonna happen. Um, but the, the idea of, like I said, it's like a universal mulligan. Let's just do that over and show you that you're now okay. That what? you that you went the distance on it. Yeah. And, and if it's you do like, the show, not only... great. If you don't do the show, somebody else gets a chance. Absolutely. But regardless, I really am grateful to have been there and to have had that happen. It was so overwhelming and so much. It was just crazy amazing. Yeah. I think, I think it's lucky I, when I those... It's a boring story. I, I think uh, it's lucky when those do-over moments happen again. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I've ever had one like that in my mm -hmm. life. You know, I, I don't, I don't know that I've ever had, but I also don't know that I've ever had that much invest, investment emotionally in an experience that I had my heart broken that bad. We did get another universal mulligan when Deuce went to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Because we said, you know, like we watched Worf die and we were like, not again. And he came out and he lived. And so I felt like that was another one of those situations where the universe was like, your heart was busted and shattered into pieces. This time that dog's going to be okay. Yeah. What's and he doing was... right now? Is he having a dream? <laughs> he sure is. He's not having a fit or anything, is he? Uh, no, I don't no, think that's, that's a fit. That's a dream. I think that's a dream. I think yeah. he's running in his dream. <laughs> yeah. He's a good boy. Don't wake him up. He's having a good dream. Okay. All right. All right. He's not whining. He's running. Squirrels go Look at his front legs are going, his back legs are going. He's okay. running. Dogs do that, honey. Let's he's not, sure having, he's a not having a seizure. It's not I a seizure. I saw a, a video of a dog running in his sleep. And, and he runs into... Faster, and then he gets up and runs in the wall. Yeah, oh, so... I love that. No! It's, it's, it's sad, so but it's mean. hilarious. I think it's so sad. But you can't help but watch it Dogs smile. don't know. <laughs> Dogs Doing don't. the Barry Manilow. <laughs> yeah. Do you wow. know about that? He got up in the middle of the night and walked into his hotel wall. Nice. He was like disoriented and thought he was home, I guess. I don't know exactly what happened, but he got up, he, he busted his nose. He just bonk, walked right into him. I've known people do odd things when they're tired and think they're somewhere else. Oh, sleepwalking. I have. <laughs> yeah. I have done really stupid stuff when I'm thinking I'm sleeping. Every time I sleepwalk, I head for the nearest, uh, you know, construction site. And I start, you know, walking around those girders as they're lifting them up. Oh, sure. Chasing a baby. Yeah. Well, trying to make sure that it doesn't crawl me, usually. Yeah, it's like, yeah. That's the old, that's the old standard, the sleepwalking baby Absolutely. on the, on the uh, unfinished uh, uh, construction site. Mm -hmm. I can let the lid off this one little secret because it's, it's already been announced. Oh? The new Batman toys. Oh, yes. Ooh. The new Batman toys. What? This, this, is, this is brand new. This, uh, the news just got out Tuesday, last uh, Wednesday. week. Last week. Last, this I think past last Wednesday. Thursday. They, they made the news. Wednesday, they made Thursday? The announcement. This week is Toy Fair in New York. Uh-huh. And they have announced, and I, and I was clued on, in on this kind of early because they wanted me to kind of give an approval of this. Cut to it, man. I'm salivating. <laughs> there is a new line of six-inch Batman toys based on the animated series designs. Six inch. Coming out from DC Direct. And oh they're my. beautiful. And they are wonderful. Oh my. And they're going to be from 
all oh. the different looks of the series. So it's not really? like it's not like we're oh. going to start with season one and do them all. What happened is DC Direct has gone back and they've been working with uh, Bruce Tim and they've got the original model sheets uh-huh. and they are doing, you know, the, the 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 look from the animated series. So the first Batman coming out is from the new adventures of. A bat, the, the the second time when Bruce redesigned him and made yeah. Batman really sleek yeah. and really cool looking with just the, the basic black bat on his chest and the points of articulation. Now, the Hasbro toys they made originally were great mm-hmm. and yeah, I've got yeah. them all collected, but it was Batman, you know, kind of stiff. He could raise his arms. He was square. Yeah. These are Four joined points. at the elbow yeah. and at the and at the hand. You really can manipulate the heck out of them. Uh, the no first, one's going to play with them. The Why? first two... <laughs> The first two ones are Batman and Catwoman, and the Catwoman is from the 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 first season with the gray and black outfit. Oh yeah, and and they look hot. And the those are the first two that they have coming out, and those I believe uh, are the first images you'll see. I cannot say anything more about it other than that it be they did. They're awesome. uh, Then the debut is at Toy Fair this week, and they are awesome. I can't wait for my Riddler. I can't wait for the no fishing, no fishing, no fishing. fishing. I'm just saying that I can't confirm or deny. I can't confirm or deny. A bunch of them. There's some that I'm really looking forward to. Even if it just stopped at Batman and Catwoman, yeah, yeah, so many people would be thrilled by these. Oh, definitely. These are going to be hotcakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the the I think that's a great thing to go out on. Well, that, well, the I that toy fair. Other quick oh, question. What is it? Yeah. Um, yes. I heard that Warner Brothers is planning on doing a Batman Arkham City movie. Are you involved in that in any way, or are they using at least your plot from the game? I know nothing about it. Okay. I mean, I I Fair saw enough. I saw an announcement online mm-hmm. that there was an an image of the Joker from one of the Arkham games. That's all I know. Okay. Fair enough. I thought I should get out there. <sighs> No, it's a. Uh, so he's not writing it. Is the no, answer to your question? Great. He has nothing no. to do. With I it. mean, ever since the first game came out, I know that uh, you know because I I had some dealings with Warner Animation way back. You know, when was it? Five years ago, I wrote yeah. the first game. Yeah. Um, at least I know that they were they were looking at it and seeing if there was a way they could adapt that look or that mm-hmm. way of of making CG. I gotta say, Batman is now and, and the DC universe and, and comics in general are blossoming in so many different directions. You could. We've not seen the Lego movie yet, but apparently you can take superheroes like Batman and put them in the Lego movie, yeah. and the movie is is terrific. You can do a, a you know just a solo Lego Batman movie that came out on DVD, yeah. and then that did terrific. And you've got the live action version, and then you've got you know the Ben Affleck version, and then you've got you know whatever. There, there's so many dozens of different versions. I can't keep track of it anymore. But but it's nice to have something that you you know created and helped design and start like the Batman animated series which is still going strong in toys yeah oh I I, you know I think it's I think it's awesome that I was able to play some part Mm -hmm. in the Arkham franchise you know and work on those first two games it was it was one of my career highlights going over that because I going over to London I had no idea what to expect it was a tremendous sign of faith that Warners and DC put in me to go and do those games and when I sat down and looked at the artwork pinned up on the wall over in London my jaw just hit the floor. I was, I was absolutely knocked on my like the very first time I saw Bruce Tim and Eric Radomski their redesign of Batman for the animated you know their original designs, it was just stunning you know and I think all it was was a brass plate on a rotting brick column with some ivy around it that said Arkham Asylum and I just said that's it man that that that's that's it there's so much there that's just 
that's just perfect that gets you jazz. You don't even have to see Batman or the Batmobile to know yeah. that this is going to be great. And I'm, you know, I'm uh, excited to be a part of it. Well, well, to cop from Ghostbusters again. Yeah, but he doesn't hit himself in the face. He hits Ray. Well, I could have indicated for you to hit me, and which you would have. I would have gladly done, done that. I know. I why? Know. Why would you deny me that? I mean, you okay, know. Okay, take I, two. All right. Right. No, I'm not going to hit him now. All right. But I mean, we we all know even that little Disney song. Say it with a slap. When a bird loves a bird, he can twitter. All the. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I got him. Every. But a bear. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Right. We just like to hit. That's, that's right. Funny. We're doing that again. That's your that's favorite. That's twice. I snuck two in there. That's your favorite Disney and song. And he just lets me do it. It's not my favorite Disney song. No, we were singing Disney songs in the car. We the, were doing that. The other day on the way to Santa Barbara. That was fun. I tried to end this podcast like 10 minutes ago. Oh, sorry. We're still going. Okay. Oh, because you asked a question. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, this is you. Okay. It's Ezra people. Well, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's stick a harpoon in this one, reel it in, and flinch this sucker. Wow. Yeah. Well, if you're from Nantucket, about 150 years ago, you'd get all those references. And, and, and yeah. boil and, and, this podcast, and boil that, that sucker down. And this podcast is the Whale Ship Essex, so let's get out of here. Wow. <laughs> okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. This has been another episode of Radio Rashi. If you've enjoyed this episode, let everyone know by leaving a review in the iTunes store. It's a great way to help others find us. You can also leave comments on RadioRashi.com, Facebook.com forward slash Radio Rashi, or follow us on Twitter at Radio Rashi or at Paul underscore Dini to leave us questions. Thanks for listening and tell your friends. Radio Rashi.